fifteen warm and friendly you hug. If you feel like it, you kiss and you let each other know how much you mean that way to the other person. Welcome to the Tuesday People podcast. That was the voice of Maury Schwartz. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is based 25 years ago. I sat alongside an old professor of mine named Maury Schwartz as he was dying. He taught a last class in What's Important in Life Once You Really Know You're Going to Die. He was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, unable to move or even turn his head. I wrote a small book about the experience to pay for his medical bills, and lo and behold, it became far more popular than anybody could have imagined, especially me. And 25 years later, I have still spent a good deal of my career and continue to do so uh, talking around the world about the lessons that I learned in that stretch of time of Tuesdays with Maury. And we're sharing them with you here on this Tuesday podcast, one week at a time, kind of reinvigorating the idea of a class on Tuesdays with lessons being about life, the subject, the meaning of life. And today we're going to talk about how human touch factors into the meaning of life and a meaningful life and an important life. Alongside me, as always, is my friend and producer of the program, Lisa Goitsch. Lisa, if I could physically give you a hug, I would, but we are literally 2,000 miles apart. Uh, I would give you a hug, too. Well, that's the way the world works in COVID-19. I haven't hugged anybody. Yeah. It's well, that's, so long. That's where we're going to begin. Uh, you know, before I talk about how important physical touch became to Maury Schwartz as he was dying and how important it becomes to so many people as their days begin to wither down, I do want to talk about how human touch has become a... I don't want to say a lost art because we'd all do it again, but a lost quality of our society here in America and largely around the world due to the COVID-19 virus. Think about the last time you hugged anybody who wasn't already living in your house. Got to be months, right? Yeah. I haven't even hugged the person living in my house. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's another another episode for another day about marriage. Kidding, kidding. But uh, (laughs) outside of someone in your house, when was the last time you hugged somebody? When was the last time you held someone's hand for a prolonged period of time? When was even the last time you shook somebody's hand? When was the last time you put your arm around somebody in 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 a gesture of friendship or love or affection and left it there and they lay their head in uh, on your shoulder and you, you gave them an extra squeeze. When was the last time you kissed anybody, uh, you know, just in a friendly kiss or a relative kiss or haven't seen you in so long kiss? Or for that matter, you know, uh, in a loving relationship, uh, if you've been separated, uh, you know, we talk, a lot of us as married people, we can talk about, well, we've been, we've been uh, together with our spouses during COVID-19, but what about people who are dating or long distance dating? And all of a sudden, you know, one was in New York and one was in uh, LA and they were dating. And then this came and now everything is reduced to a, a Skype call or some kind of digital version. And people long to hug and kiss one another who can't. So this is, this is now as we are really approaching, wow, 
if you really want to talk about kind of May, March, the beginning of March is when everybody started to sort of close down. It's all of March, all of April, all of May, and soon to be all of June. So nearly four months worth of lack of physical contact. No physical contact. I think this is taking an enormous toll on people. I think some of the anger that we see in the country and the frustration we see in the country is a direct result of the inability to connect with one another in any way beyond Instagrams and Zoom conferences and emails. And what happens is you lose the connection to people's humanity. You you know, when you hold someone's hand, I find, you feel their hand and your hand at the same time. You feel the similarity between your hands, your thumb up against the back of their thumb, your fingers intertwining with their fingers. I always find if I give it more, you know, a second thought, I think, wow, look at how these things fit together, these two hands. Look at, the, <laughs> look at how the fingers just slide into one another. You notice if the other person's hand is smaller than yours or bigger than yours. You notice, therefore, if yours is bigger or smaller than theirs. You notice if a hand might be a little clammy or you worry that yours is a little clammy. Or There's so much just to the physical act of holding hands. And it connects you in a way that there really isn't any other substitute for. You can talk about petting your dog or your cat, and that's a soft experience, and uh, it's, it's, it's lovely in its own way, and it's gentle in its own way. But you are, you are stroking an animal. You are feeling the animal's fur or, or comforting, the, but you're not connecting with the animal the way that you connect with. Oh. <laughs> I know, Lisa, you're a cat and dog lover. You probably think you are. But you're not connecting the same way as you are with another human being. You don't know what it means to your dog or your cat when you pet them. For all they know, it's like, oh, here they go again, petting, me, petting my back. But you do know what it means when you hug somebody. You do know what it means when you hold somebody's hand in friendship or in, or in love. There is more to that touch than just the physical touch. There is the emotional connection that comes with it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, in Maury's case, Maury had a disease that robbed him of eventually the ability to do anything physical that you and I would call normal. He mm -hmm. lost the ability to button his shirt, lost the ability to pull up his own pants, to buckle his belt, tie his shoelaces, pull on his own underwear, run a comb through his hair, run a toothbrush over his teeth, hold a hairdryer, shower, put soap underneath his arms, towel off. Every one of those things was taken away from him. He was, in many ways, even more of an infant than an infant, because an infant can lie in a crib and move its arms back and forth and clap and play with its effect. Infants can do things we can't. They can reach and get their toes and, and pull their toes right. towards their mouth. They can put their feet in their mouth. They can do all... 
Moore couldn't do anything. He was stiff, almost as that old cliche, almost stiff as a board, unable to, to move in any direction, just, just a limp husk. So you would have thought that physical touch would have been something that he surrendered along with all the other things that he had to surrender when ALS took over his body. But in point of fact, it was not. In point of fact, human touch was so important to Maury. And when I came to visit him, it was something he always made sure that we did. We are one of the top-notch physically affectionate families. The kids always kiss me, repeatedly kiss me. Not only now, but ever, you know, as young men, all the time, there's a lot of embracing, a lot of hugging, a lot of kissing, a lot of overt demonstration of affection. And that was like part of the deal. Mm -hmm. That's how you were in this family. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important in general, especially for men who are so afraid to touch each other and let out their normal feelings. Now, when I would come in to sit with Maury and we began to tape our conversations, at first I used like a little tape recorder that had the micro cassette where you pressed it, but I found that the sound mm -hmm. wasn't very good because Maury's voice was so uh, soft that I was really having to listen to it over and over again just to hear what he was saying. So the next week or the two weeks later, I came back with uh, one of these microphones that are like what TV reporters wear. They clip on uh, to your shirt and mm -hmm. you can put them on your lapel or something like that. And then they just stay there. And this way... I wouldn't have to worry about getting a tape recorder close to Maury's mouth or holding it up the whole time because we were talking for hours. I mean, you can't just hold your arm out with a tape recorder like a, you're, you're interviewing somebody. Right. <laughs> so I would go to put this little microphone on Maury, and he used to wear these like pajama tops or soft cotton tops. He never had a, a starched shirt. He never wore a button-down shirt or anything that had a mm -hmm. lapel that made it easy to put this clip on. And so I would have to put this clip on like these pajama tops up near his face, up near his chin. And in order to get it on, I'd have to lean in. And every time I would lean in, he would get this huge smile on his face. Just this ah. big, broad, ah, like that. And then I would lean back and I'd see him smiling. And uh, you know, I wouldn't say anything at the beginning. And then, of course, it was such a flip-floppy pajama top that inevitably, you know, the microphone would flop over loosely as the material did, and I'd have to go fix it. Right. So I'd lean in and I'd fix it again. And he got this big smile on his face. And I do, I do this three, four times during a visit. And one time I remember I said to him, I think you wear these pajama tops with no starch in them whatsoever so that I basically right. have to lean in and kiss you, you know, every, every two hours that I'm here. And he said, well, maybe, I, maybe I do, you know, like that. And <laughs> you could see that it meant it started a discussion between us about physical touch and how important it was and how he so, so cherished it. Now, some history here. Uh, Maury was always a touchy-feely kind of guy back in the time when we first invented that expression. He, he, nowadays, of course, 
you get sued for do, having the physical contact that Maury had with his students. But back in the 70s, nobody thought twice about, and, and this is a discussion for another day, but I mean, I always found it wonderful that a teacher felt that it was okay to give you a, a pat on the back or, or a shoulder squeeze just, you know, to show that they were yeah, fond I of like you. I that. I never took that yeah. as a, you know, improper physical contact, and nobody else did back in those days Can't either. do that now. No, you, nope. apparently you cannot, especially on college <laughs> campuses. But this right. was in the mid-70s. And so, in fact, we had uh, a class. Now, this was, for those of you who are very young and are listening to us, you may find this to be a cliche. But for those of you who are over, let's say, 50 years old, you are probably familiar with the trust exercises that grew out of the 60s. And they were the kind of thing that you would do in uh, social therapy groups or the occasional class, depending on how progressive you were. And Brandeis University back then was in the sociology department, liked to think of itself as, you know, kind of on the on the edge and coming up with new right. techniques and new ways to do things in sociology. So we had a class where uh, we had to shut our eyes and cross our arms and then drop backwards ah. and trust that the person behind us would catch us. Right. And I just thought this was the dumbest thing because I was, I was young when I went to college. I started like a year early and I was, I think I tried to make up for my youth worrying about being accepted by acting tough. And at the school that I went to, at Brandeis University, it wasn't really hard to act tough because it wasn't exactly a tough school. It wasn't a rugged, people coming from really rough backgrounds. It was largely suburban kids who had had fairly easy lives in terms of certainly physicality or, or brushes with the conflict. And so I carried a chip on my shoulder and I didn't come from that type of a background and I would act tough and and I would smirk and I would make fun of things. And this certainly was something that I smirked and made fun of that, okay, well, here we are in a college class paying for tuition and we're closing our eyes and falling backwards and seeing if people will catch us. And of course, the first time you do it, you you don't trust it at all. And you close your eyes, you right. fall backwards and you don't wait. You just, you catch yourself with your legs and it's really hard and eventually when I had to do it, it took me multiple times because I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I don't want yeah. and, and finally, you know, when you, you, you let it go just long enough and the person caught you, then Maury used this as a way of, of talking about trust and talking about connection to other people and, and how much do we really trust people who we barely know. And what did it feel like, you know, when you were falling through the air and then all of a sudden you felt someone's hands catch you and the security of that catch, the trust that, ah, I've been caught and they're yeah. not going to let me fall was, was all wrapped up in the physical feeling of being yeah. held and caught, right? So Maury had had a long history with touch as part of his lesson plan, shall we say, and the things that he wanted to show his students and ultimately show me. So one day I came in and it was, I want to say, maybe a few weeks before Maury died. And I got close to him and he said, he put it, lifted his hand and he said, hold, you know, 
So I took his hand and I held his hand. And, uh, and I held his hand throughout the course of this whole time that we were there. And towards the end of it, I said to him, I don't understand. Uh, you want me to hold your hand, because he often did, rub your feet, squeeze your shoulders, kiss you when I kind of lean in to uh, put the microphone. And of course, before I left, we always had this joke that I had to kiss him on the forehead, and we called that extra credit. So if I kissed him on the forehead, he said, I'll give you extra credit. Remember extra credit? Remember that phrase? Remember you used to get extra credit from your teachers? I don't even know if they do that anymore. But extra credit. And so every time I would kiss him before I went, he would say, extra credit? And I'd kiss him, he'd say, extra credit. So I'm holding his hands, and I say, I don't understand. I know that your disease basically deadens a lot of the nerves for you. And, you know, you can't move, you can't have any muscle control. You can feel things, but, you know, you can't initiate them. Why is it so important for you to have me hold your hands? Why is it so important for you to have me hug you or kiss you frequently when I am visiting with you? And he said to me something that I think is very instructive and speaks to where we are today. He said, Mitch, when you're a baby coming into this world in your first days in this universe, what is the most important thing? You need to be held, caressed, comforted, right? Mm -hmm. A baby needs to be held, rocked, comforted. It cries if it's not, right? Before it has learned anything, before it can even barely open its eyes, a baby needs to be held, Comforted, Mm -hmm. caressed, right? He said, well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When you're dying, you also rekindle the need to be held and caressed and comforted. He said, I've learned that now that I'm dying. And now that I think about it, it makes perfect sense. You come into the world, your first need is to be held and caressed and comforted. You're exiting the world. The last thing that you want to feel is to be held and caressed and comforted, right? Yep. He said, that makes sense to me because it's symmetrical. The thing that I don't get is why in between the coming and the going, we act like we don't need to be held or caressed or comforted. Right. Because we do. We do. We all need that. I totally think we do. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that that was so profound for him to make that connection between life, death, and all that comes in the middle. And it's true, especially for men. We kind of go through the middle of life saying, you know, yeah, it's okay. All right. I get it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Back off. You know, don't need the big hug. You know, don't need the affection. Yeah, yeah, you can let go of my hand now. You know, okay, buddy. (laughs) Okay, now. (laughs) You know, that kind of, it's always sort of the, that's good enough. You know, uh, and even boys as they, as they get into their teenage years and they go visit their relatives and they're 
relatives, their aunts or their grandmas want to give them a big kiss. And, grandma, okay, enough, stop. You know, the, the whole squeamish against the whole idea of just being overly affectionated. I'm making up a word. Yeah. But they're fighting against their instinct because the truth is we do need that. And we're socialized to think that we don't. But that's our socialization, not our, not our reality. I often speak of the orphanage that I operate in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, the Have Faith Haiti uh, orphanage, and the kids that we have there. And one of the things that I find most remarkable is that these kids, especially our teenage boys, because they don't have television, they don't really have movies unless they're sanctioned by us that we let them watch on a you know, computer screen, so they're, they're all G-rated you know, movies. They don't have the internet, they don't have YouTube, they don't have music that's got offensive lyrics in any way, shape, or form, or even suggestive ones. Uh, and as a result, the boys can be 13, 14, 15 years old, and when I'll come down there or other men will come down there, they will take my arm and put it around them. Ah. They won't wait for me to do it. They'll take my arm, put it around them because they, no one has shown them that you're not supposed to do that because you're a teenager. Right. They haven't had those influences. So they're doing what our little kids do. Our little kids do the same thing. They come up and they immediately will take my hand or have, pull my hand around them. They want to be close. You know, again, these are kids who are orphans and they haven't had that daily dose of affection that parents might otherwise give them. They need it and they seek it out. And no, and, and there's no conditioning. But those same kids, right. if they were here in America, they, not only would they not take my arm and put it around them, if I wanted to put it around them, they'd back off. They'd say, mm-hmm, you know, Mr. Mitch, come on, you know. I'm 16 now. Well, and they they probably wouldn't even look up at you when you walked into the room. Well, <laughs> like, that'd be the other thing. They'd be on their devices. <laughs> There's so no I contact. Even, I wouldn't even get <laughs> yeah. their attention. But you it wouldn't is, even get so, their attention. But it says to me that it is a basic human need, even in teenagers. And we deny it. We, we tell ourselves, no, we can't do that. We're too professional. But how many people, like... Uh, Again, this is dying out with the Me Too movement, and people are, are, are getting very, very nervous about any physical contact with anyone other than a family member because they yep. just don't know if it's welcome or not. But go back a few years before that became the norm. And how frequently would you go to a place and you'd say, hi, I'm, come on, we hug here. We Everybody here hugs, and we hug, and they hug. And I, I never found it offensive. I never found mm-hmm. it too much. I thought, you know what? This is nice. It's nice. I feel like closer to the person now because I hug them. I feel closer to them because they, you know, put an arm around me as we're going out the door and thanks for coming in. You know, it's great to meet you or something like that. And I, I think we're, we're losing touch with that anyhow in our society because of all the implications of, well, what about a unwanted advance? And I, there's a long, long difference between an affectionate hug or welcome which is done in cultures all over the world, and right. an unwanted physical advance or sexual advance that, that moves into a territory that's something else. But the one does not negate the other. Right. But you know what's tricky these days is that parents teach their kids at a very young age, and for good reason, that, you know, don't let anybody touch you. If they right. touch you here, if they touch you here, that's a bad thing. Don't do right. that. I mean, my mom never taught me that because we never 
I don't know why she never taught me that. Maybe it's just not something people talked about. But so I think now we just live in this culture where kids learn it now from a young age, which is sad, you know, that they can't even get to like feel affection from somebody like a teacher. You know, I've heard this from teachers before that teachers miss hugging, being able to hug their students, especially elementary school, young first grade, second grade, stuff like that, because those kids still want that affection. That's right. And teachers have to be very standoffish with it and because they don't want to get into trouble. And it's sad. It's a sad way to live, I think. It is sad. And it's throwing babies out with bathwater and it, nobody is negating the importance or the significance of unwanted uh, no. uh, uh, physical advances. But that doesn't also, the, the adjunct to that is not that everybody, therefore, who wants to uh, express themselves physically but with a hug or of affection or a handshake or a shoulder squeeze is somehow a deviant, is somehow uh, wants something more than that, got their jollies off of it, wants to, is, has got pedophil, uh, pe- uh, pedophilic uh, uh, tendencies. Not at all. It's just the way people choose to uh, you know, view it. But of course, people, once it becomes a legal issue, once you can get sued, once you can get fired, then everybody just pulls away from it because they'd rather err on the side of not doing it and, and, and yeah. therefore not getting accused of anything than doing it. I don't want to turn into a uh, what is what is unwanted sexual advances and what is uh, what is pedophilia and what is all because that's not the point of this podcast. Uh, people will debate it yeah. and they'll make their points about it and 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 people will have their own points of view and it's a shame that we have lost the art of friendly affection in the sweep yes. of unwanted affection. But that does not negate the point I'm trying to make here in our podcast, and that is that physical touch is vital, vital to human relations. Mm -hmm. And nobody will tell me otherwise. Uh, I've witnessed it, and I have spent so much time with people who are older and who are dying. And I learned from Maury with ALS patients, there's not one now that I don't, uh, if I meet somebody, First of all, I will always get down, you know, right down to the level where they're at if they're in a wheelchair or, or bedridden or whatever, because I learned a lesson about you don't hover over somebody when they're in a wheelchair right. and you're just standing up the whole time. You know, just the dynamic is, you know, you're looking down, they're looking up. So first of all, I'll get where we're an eye contact, you know, eye to eye. And then I will always put my hand on their hand. And if they can squeeze back, they always do. And you can see their face lights up because so many people who have ALS and other diseases that are similar are almost become like pariahs. People are afraid to touch mm-hmm. them. They, uh, they think somehow they're going to catch something or they think they don't know if they're going to hurt them in some way or they can feel. And so they deny them the very thing that they are yearning for the most. And, and I think now uh, to go back to where we began as we close this down. We are in a time where we are really missing the physical touch and the human touch. I know from having little Knox, the eight-year-old boy from our orphanage in Haiti, who's been living with us since February because of COVID-19, we, thank goodness, he loves to be held and touched and hugged because (laughs) we hug him all day long. 
and he is constantly coming up and, 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 and putting his arm around me or my wife and, and us the other way around. He'll sit in our laps. We'll watch movies together. He'll get a pillow and, and uh, he'll lean his head down you know, so, uh, against my shoulder so he can watch it. And it is such, it is such a relief. It is such a source of joy in this time when we have nobody besides him and one another to share this physical affection with, to have yeah. that. I see what a joy it is. It's the reason I wrote that online book called Human Touch and why at the center of it was this little eight-year-old boy who helped bring joy to people's lives by going to people who had coronavirus and letting them hug him because he was immune. It's all based on that same concept that, you know, when we're, when we're in, coming into the world, we need to be held and touched and caressed. And when we're leaving the world, we need to be held and touched and caressed. The trick is, in between the coming and the going, we also need it. We need it desperately, and we're in a time now where we're missing it. Maury taught me that lesson many years ago, and I'm happy to share it with you here today. That's going to wrap up this edition of Tuesday People, which we do every Tuesday, not surprisingly. WeTuesdayPeople.com is our address on the internet where you can find us, get involved with conversations, uh, share messages with other people who listen to the program, and send us messages and comments if you like. We always appreciate that. You can get this wherever you get popular podcasts. If you know people who have read the book Tuesdays with Maury and have enjoyed it, and are saying, I wish there was some kind of sequel or follow-up. I said, well, tell them there's a podcast, and they can actually hear more right. voice as we did today multiple times. Until we see you again, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album wishing you a very good week, and see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.